Welcome to Ministry in Motion, where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. Whether you're a pastor or a volunteer in your local church, Ministry in Motion is brimming with ideas and resources for you. Our topic today is empowering the disciples of Jesus in the church today. And our special guest is Chad Stewart. Chad, thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Anthony. Now, Chad, you're a pastor in a local church. You're wanting to involve the members, the disciples in your church. What's, what's your real goal when it comes to giving people a role or a function in their church, in, in your church? My ultimate goal, like the end all and be all, is that, is that as people surrender more of their time to the cause of Christ, then their hearts will become more receptive to the Holy Spirit changing their hearts, that they become, uh, as we said, disciples of Jesus. Um, there's a great difference between being a member and being a disciple. And uh, so we want to actually bring people from being members to being disciples. In other words, people that are actively growing in their walk with Jesus, not simply having their name on the records of the church. So it's not just a job for a job's sake no, in, in the no. church. Yeah. No, in fact, we should, we should avoid that at all costs. In fact, there's sometimes that we give people a job for a job's sake, and what we've actually done is we lower the bar of, of, of what it means to be a disciple because that job may never even function mm -hmm. and the only time it comes up is at nominating committee. Those types of jobs need to be removed and instead we need to give someone a, a, a job that has a purpose uh, within the local church in which they can see that they're truly doing something for the cause of Christ. Okay. Now let's, let's be real. Okay. The, the goal would be 100%. Absolutely. Okay. Talk to us about that, though. Well, the goal is 100%, and, and I always think that, that we need to set the bar high mm -hmm. because too often it is, it is set low, and we're satisfied with just a few helping when we need to be, raise the bar higher. But, but as long as there is sin in this world, there will never be 100% total member involvement as far as I can see. I read the scriptures, and I don't see 100% buy-in. Mm -hmm even with the followers of Jesus. Jesus says something, and a bunch of them leave. This is too hard for us, Yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, so even with Jesus himself, he had people that, that said, yeah, we're not going to be a part of this. So we, we have to be honest and recognize that while that's the goal, there is always going to be a few that are just not going to engage. Mm. Now let's talk about some options as well. Okay. When we're talking about disciples in a local church, Give, give us some examples of how they're empowered for ministry, for service. What, what are some, some examples of meaningful involvement? Well, I think that, that, that ministry uh, oftentimes is relational. And so we need to make sure that, that we're putting in people in positions in which they can grow relationally with one another and with Christ. And so... so we want to think about our ministries in that setting rather than just holding a title or rather than just holding a position. Are we putting these people in a position in which they have to engage with their fellow brothers and sisters and in which they are engaging with Christ? Um, you know, we have our typical positions like deacons and, and, and elders, but oftentimes, I mean, if you think about something like a deacon, what do we think of most deacons doing? When you think of a deacon, what does most deacons do in a church? First thing that comes to mind is collecting the offering. Collecting the offering. And that's where it start, stops with 99% yeah, of our churches, right? Mm -hmm. So how do we get them beyond that to a relational engagement? You know, with our elders, 
elders, what is their job? They sit on a board and they make some decisions. But how do we, how do we really utilize them to shepherd and mentor fellow members within the church? These are things in which we're, we give them options or we create those positions relationally. Okay. So let me ask that question. Okay. How do we do that? How do we get the position, the person within the position, empowered so that they're not just doing the function? Yeah. They're, they're actually building those relationships that you're talking about. Well, I think one of the things that, that is important is for us to look at reorganizing. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, in Spencerville, one of the things that we did is rather than having a couple people, say, within our elder team at, at the top, so to speak, we, we spread it out on a wider plane. And then we gave each of those various elders, which we call our lead elders at Spencerville, we gave them a specific area to focus on. Because let's face it, the majority of our people don't have a ton of time. Mm-hmm. And so they need a specific area in which they can focus on and, and minister in that context and in that setting. And then from there, uh, we, we've, we've invited them to, to minister, to grow out from there. So, so we started with reorganizing mm-hmm. and, and putting them over specific areas and over specific people. And then they relationally deal with those people. And then those individuals as a team begin to serve the church. So let me just capture some of the okay. main points. And you've made them very well. Uh, first of all, you've broadened the empowerment. Yes. Instead of focusing it on... One or two, spread it out. You've broadened it. And your view of involvement is that it's a growing experience Mm -hmm. between the participant and God, Jesus, and the participant and the people that they're ministering with. Exactly. Okay. This is very significant, I think. And as a member of your church... I've been really blessed by this. And I can see how the, the, the membership, the disciples within the church are growing and have been blessed as a result of this. So what I'd also like to explore with you is how you recognize the skills that people have okay. um, and the, the abilities so that when they're invited to, to take on a role, that they're genuinely excited and eager to participate and put their, their, their best into it. Mm-hmm. So today's topic is empowering the disciples of Jesus in the church today and how we can do that. We'll be right back with more Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is Empowering the Disciples of Jesus and our special guest is Pastor Chad Stewart. Now, Chad, you're a very gifted pastor. You're my pastor, the pastor of our family. So you're biased. (laughs) It's all good. But, Chad, you you have a number of gifts. One of your gifts is recognising that the talents, the giftedness, the spiritual gifts of people within the church and empowering them. Uh, the, the key question that I'm eager to ask you is, how do you decipher that? How, how do you discover those gifts? What, talk us through the process that you go through to discover the gifts of, of a person within your church. Well, let me say that I, can, I, I start with prayer in this area. And the reason is because I made some mistakes early on in my ministry yeah. of simply 
assuming that this person was the best without spending much time in prayer about it. And there was a significant moment in which I had chosen somebody and God clearly showed me that it was someone else and it was one of the best decisions ever. And so, okay. and so I have to listen to what the Holy Spirit says. But beyond that, relationally, I have to get to know my people, get to know the people of the church in order to really discover what they're passionate about, uh, where their giftings are, um, how much time they have. You know, so often we put people into, uh, into positions and we set them up for failure because maybe it's a position in which they don't have the time to, to achieve that, that role. Um, I'll just use you as an example, Anthony. I asked you to do something. We had dialogue about it, and I came to you finally and said, Anthony, I give you permission to say no. Mm-hmm. And you had said, thank you for that. Yeah. I don't know if you remember. Recall, I do. I recall do. that. But it's because as we dialogued, I realized this task that I was asking you to do was, was outside the time frame of your ability. Mm. And, and so we, rather than just forcing something, we need, to, we need to listen and hear what people are saying and, and go with that. I also listen to people outside, and I, I hear what other people are saying. I, I observe. So I'll watch, and I'll see. I notice that there's a group of people that we're not connecting with in the church, but this person is. How do I get that person into ministry so that we can now connect with those people? And I'll observe things like that find out about their families, what their dynamic is, what their situation is. And of course, most of all, you want to find out where they're at spiritually because that's key because leadership is not for the faint of heart and even serving is not for the faint of heart. Even if you're not the leader, if you're just serving, we know the devil is going to attack. So we need to have strong spiritual foundation. Let me give you a question, and this is a question without notice. Okay. All right. Yeah. Spencerville has how many people normally attending or participating or in membership? We have membership... Uh, Somewhere between 18 and 1900. Okay. Um, we have active membership, um, giving and, and serving in some way about 1,200 people. And then because of the dynamics of us having so many people in government and so many people um, in the church, mm-hmm. we probably have 700, 800 people that attend on a Sabbath. And how many of those members would you know by name? Man, I know a lot of them. Uh, you do. Um, and this is why I'm asking the question. Several hundred and if I can't get it immediately, I probably will get it sometime before the day ends and come back to them and use it. Yeah, yeah. The majority so, that attend, I'd say, close to it. To me, you're phenomenal in getting close to people and understanding them, learning their name, and pastoring them. And I think it's a, it's a tremendous gift that helps you in understanding the giftedness of, of people. Mm-hmm. So once you've recognized that giftedness, that, that a person has. Mm-hmm. You've, you've prayed about it. You've come close to them. You've seen the, the, the passion that they have. Or you've, you've had feedback from others in key positions that mm-hmm. you've empowered in the congregation. Mm-hmm. What's the next step after that? The next step is, is making the big ask. I've had many people that have said to me, oh, I don't think they could do it. And I've learned to not say no on behalf of someone else. Okay. Let that person say no. Now, there's times, like you and I talked about, where I have to step in and say, I give you permission to say no. Mm-hmm. But, but most of the time, we say no for people when we shouldn't be saying no for people. And, uh, and, and, and so, so the next step is, to me, the big ask. And then when you ask, you have to be able to define and articulate what you're looking for and, and give them some point of reference. Define for them the win. As, I like, as I've stolen from someone, I think, back in my reading 
of, of, of leadership at some point, but define the win. And, and if you can say to them, I'd like you to be in this position and here's what I'm wanting to have happen. And you define the win as very, very, very succinct and it's, and it's able to be managed in their brain, then you're more likely to get a yes. Let, let me probe the, the asking. Okay. Okay. Now, now, you're not into manipulation. No. Okay. All right. But you're in, certainly into encouragement. Yeah. What, what are the things that you're taking into, into account at the time of asking, even the timing? Talk us through that. Well, I'm usually going to make a brief statement early. I'm going to say to someone, hey, I need to talk to you about something. I'm, I'm thinking about how you can be involved and how you can... Mm-hmm. Help Christ in this church. Yeah. You know, I want them to understand it's, it's, it's in the context of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then I'll usually have a later engagement at that point, which is more convenient for them, and we'll have some dialogue about it. And I usually don't just have one interaction where it's the ask. So nominate committees are often call up on the phone, pressure's on, da-da-da-da-da. Whereas, for instance, our, our lead elders... I went to each of them, and, I, I, and then I also gave them a document with our deacons. We gave them all. We redid a whole document in which here's what the deacon's role is, and here's, here's the function we expect. And so we go through this motion, and we don't get it perfect. We're still working mm. on it. We're mm. still growing. Yeah. But, but there's several conversations along the way, especially for your key positions. I mean, your, your top leadership positions. You need those to be really solidified. So there's several conversations along the way. And then I allow them to come back and ask me questions. Well, what about this? Well, I don't know if I can do this. And sometimes there's some compromise mm. in, in which I've said that I want this. And I say, you know what? I think I can do this part, but I can't do this. Yeah. And I have to be willing to say, is this person the right person for this task? And if so, am I willing to give this up? And, and, and I have been. I've been willing to say, yep, you know what? To have you on board. It's worth it. We will put this aside and we'll wait till God brings the right person for that, mm. that objective. So it's, it's multiple conversations. It's, uh, and, it's, and it's also recognizing where they're at in their life. I've come to people and I've said, hey, you know what? In, uh, I know that you're really busy right now, but in six months I want to talk to you about doing this. I want to talk to you about preaching through a sermon series with me. We're going to start in five or six months. And uh, let's sit down all together and we'll look at our schedules and, and, and do that. And so we do some of those things. Fantastic. Our topic today is empowering the disciples of Jesus. And uh, our guest is Chad Stewart. We'll be right back with more Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is empowering the disciples of Jesus and our very special guest is Pastor Chad Stewart. Now, Chad, just before the break, we were talking about encouraging, asking people to take on a task. Mm -hmm. Now, when people say yes, and let me just clarify, it's more than just a task. It's being involved in ministry as a disciple. It's working for Jesus Christ. That's what it has to be. Exactly. And so when people say yes, there's the, the celebratory moment. Mm. Wonderful. Mm. And we, we go on yeah. from there. But when you get pushback and people say, sorry, yeah. how do you manage that? What, what's your, your go-to plan? Um, first of all, I evaluate why the no was said. Um, because... Sometimes the no is said, and I discover, well, it's because someone didn't understand what I was asking. Okay. And so I try, if I figure that out, then I try to re-clarify. Sometimes the no is said because 
There's a, a perceived inadequacy in one's own life. And so if I can address that, then, then, I, then I do that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the Noah said, because God's saving you mm-hmm. <laughs> from that person. Okay. And we need to rejoice in those moments and thank God for, for sparing us. And sometimes we come back and realize that. This is why prayer is such this an important... This is why important. prayer is such an important aspect yeah. of things. And sometimes the no is said, but it can be a no, not yet. Mm-hmm. And that is when I keep someone kind of in, the, in my back pocket and I remember that, that there was good dialogue and maybe this is just the, not the right thing and we want to get them on board later. Um, I'd, I'd say this as well, that if everyone says no to a specific ministry, sometimes I see it as God saying to me, Chad, it's not the right time for this. Yeah. And, and maybe that ministry needs to be put aside until we keep ministries in the church just for the sake of keeping ministries and it messes up the church. Mm-hmm. There's ministries that need to be closed, that need to be put to, to bed, so to they speak. They have a time span. They have a high time span and then they need to be put to bed. Yeah. And when we keep things around just for the sake of keeping things around, and one of the biggest indicators to me is that if God doesn't provide the leadership, he promises us, if we're faithful, he will provide you know, the body is made up of many parts, and he's gifted the body. If he does not provide, then that may mean that, that this is not that time for that ministry. Right, okay. Okay, so people are involved in ministry. Mm-hmm. Things are happening in the church. Mm-hmm. What, what places accountability? How, how do you do accountability so that it matters, and it's not threatening, and it's a good thing? Yeah, um, can I say this first, that, that to some people, any level of accountability is threatening. Yeah. And so you have to assess, is it me that's causing the threat, or is it just that this person has resistance to any type of accountability? Yeah. And another thing we should also add in as well is the majority of, of people ministering in a church, the overwhelming majority, are volunteers. They are. And they're actually contributing with tithes and offerings yeah. and financially supporting yeah. the church and giving their time. Yeah. So accountability, it can be a, a sensitive... Accountability is tough when you're dealing with volunteers. Mm-hmm. I once heard a, a business leader say um, at a leadership conference I was at that if you can manage a local church, a large local church, you could probably run any Fortune 500 <laughs> business in this world because of just the fact that they have the avenue of they're paid and we have volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, the accountability level starts, of course, at the spiritual with, 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 um, with, our, with our volunteers. And if there's something spiritually that's broken there that, that is significant enough, then we have to be willing to step up and, and call it by its right name. Okay. And, and, and gracefully, without embarrassment, without shame, remove people. You know, I've, I've had people that I've moved out of leadership for a season mm-hmm. because of something going on in their lives. Yeah. And I've not told anybody except for maybe a few key leaders. And then I've allowed those people to come back into that leadership position as God's brought healing, as God's brought redemption back into their situation. And, and um, no one was aware. As far as they knew, it was just, I needed a break. Okay. You know, and, and that's, that's acceptable. So is it just you as the pastor that calls the tune on this? Uh, well, in, in some of those spiritual things, that are sensitive like that, I think it's, it's important to keep it as, as small as possible. You know, um, uh, we don't need everyone talking about the sins of one another on yeah. a regular basis. 
But we do empower then our team members to, and I constantly am getting feedback. Hey, this person is not engaging. Mm -hmm. Have you had the conversation with them? Okay, yes. Uh, has the next level up had the conversation with them? Have you brought in maybe some of your elders to have a conversation with them? Okay, now it may be time for me. And usually the conversation involves, you know, is this just too big of a task for you? How can we help you in this more? Um, so the accountability is, is while we're simultaneously calling them accountability, we're also asking them to hold us accountable. Mm -hmm. Are we doing everything to help you? Yeah. Because if they uh, answer, yes, you're doing everything to help, then, then they begin to see, okay, I need to change or I need to grow in this or maybe I need to step out of this position. Or as you mentioned, it can be a, a spiritual issue. Are, yeah. are they continuing to grow in their spiritual yeah. growth? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no one's, no one's, look, we're not perfect. And so we don't demand perfection, but we do desire for everybody to be continually growing in their relationship with Christ. I think also a level of accountability, uh, uh, Anthony, is when the more people you get on board, there's such a thing as positive peer pressure. We always talk about peer pressure from the negative. Mm -hmm. But I found that when people look around them and see, look, a lot of my peers are involved in this, or a lot of people are are excited about what's happening here, then they want to do better. They want to rise to the occasion. They want to grow. It's momentum in the community. Yeah, within the community. It provides yeah. a level of accountability. Exactly. So that leads us to the next point, Chad. How important are teams? Oh, teams, are, teams are absolute. I mean, teams are an absolute necessity. There, there are a few tasks here and there in which it's an individual. I mean, there's, there's some, but, but teams are a necessity because, uh, you know, iron sharpens iron. We mm -hmm. grow from our relationships with one another, and, and we avoid burnout when we have teams. And, and, you know, you can do the exact same task. I always tell my wife this when we're cleaning out the garage together, and I'm doing it by myself. This Sunday I did it by myself. Ouch. And, uh, <laughs> but, but, when we do, but when she comes in and we do stuff together in that, in that regard or when we're helping each other clean, I say to her always, I say, you know what? I actually enjoy cleaning when I'm doing it with you. Right, that thing which burns us out and is a burden to us when we do it by ourselves. When we have someone to to do that with, yeah. it becomes a much easier task. Not just because you're sharing the burden, mm -hmm. but because um, of the relationship. We're built as relational beings, yeah. and so that relationship helps to make the task far more easy. Exactly. Well, Chad, I just want to thank you. The, your, your ministry at Spencerville is certainly a blessing to so many and uh, the, the way that you have empowered disciples within the church it really has been a blessing to yeah, multitudes within the church and this is for sure and and this is essentially why we wanted to have you on ministry in motion thank you, thank you for your ministry and we want to thank you for joining us for another program of ministry in motion i'd also like to invite you to our website ministryinmotion.tv www ministryinmotion.tv there you'll find an array of resources there's books you can download all the previous programs of Ministry in Motion are available for you to, to view 24-7 to bless you in your ministry and may God bless you as you continue to serve Jesus Christ <music>